Welcome back to Curious Combinations and Everything's Unoriginal Podcast. I'm A.F. Tanith, and today I'm covering Vampire Night Season 2, Episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13. So, um, this is the ending of the show, and it's 100% completely my nightmare outcome. This show ended in precisely the way I was afraid it would, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty pissed off. Like, since I've started doing reaction videos and podcasting, there's only one show prior to this that I would argue was probably a waste of my time. Somewhat tellingly, that show was You, specifically the first season of it, and it shared a lot of similarities to what happened here. At the end of the day, both You Season 1 and Vampire Night Seasons 1 and 2 were the story of girls being stalked and controlled and abused by partners who ultimately got everything they wanted. Spoilers for you, but in that show, the stalker gets his girl, falls out of love with her, ultimately kills her when she proves to be an actually multifaceted, flawed human who makes bad decisions sometimes. And here in Vampire Night, Kaname successfully seduces his sister, turns her into a vampire without her consent, and ultimately gets her to submit herself entirely to him. Both stories make me want to go be a hermit alone in the woods somewhere, because what kind of cultural brain rot do we have for this shit to be treated as romantic, or exciting, or sexy? But enough about you for now, because at least that story had the dignity to admit that its sexy abuser was, you know, a violent delusional danger to the protagonist. Vampire Knight seems to have no such awareness of its own love interest nature, and I am just so sorry for all the mid-2000s little girls who got tricked into thinking that this shit was hot. It is so overwhelmingly not. So, let's get into the recap. Episode 10 opens with Yuki and Aido in the woods, and Yuki announces that she smells Kaname's blood on the wind. She has a bad feeling, she says, and something is coming. That something, of course, being her murderous uncle. Elsewhere, Cayenne announces to Yugari that the academy is to be evacuated. All of the human students must be sent home for their safety, and to be perfectly honest, I still don't really understand the point of ever having them just out of reach of bloodthirsty vampires in the first place. But I'm beyond done with trying to argue with this show. Yori lingers over Yuki's bed for a moment, obviously concerned over her best friend's absence in this most crucial of moments, but all I can think about right now as I try to write this script is that I looked up manga spoilers after I finished watching the show, and apparently Yori ends up with Ido, and I just don't think I can handle that. That is pure insanity. That is beyond even just pair the spares. That makes me fairly certain the author is just trolling their readers and viewers at this point. That is a crackship, period, and you will not convince me otherwise. But, back with Ichijo and Ichiro. They watch on as Rito heals with the help of Kaname's spilled blood. I still hold that it was an incredibly stupid decision, but again, I am so sick of arguing. I am sick of investing in this show. This show has drained my very soul, and I'm over it. So in the forest, Yuki is useless, and Aido is an ineffective babysitter, and in the tunnels beneath the school, the class president announces that several day-class students haven't made it to the escape elevator. For some reason, this means that no one's getting evacuated. And don't ask me why, I don't really care. Instead, the whole class is going to be taken to the auditorium to wait there like sitting ducks, and Cayenne dramatically unsheathes his sword to prepare for battle. Back in the woods, the night class arrives to save the wayward day class students from Rito's underlings. It's perhaps the one good moment out of these four episodes, if not the whole damn season. Ruka finally gets to do something interesting, and I suppose that's at least something. 
As for Yuki, she's made it back to her dorm and she's getting dressed in her school uniform, making Ido blush as she straps the Artemis rod to her thigh. She asserts that even as a vampire, she's still a guardian of the academy and so she must prepare for battle. Yori, meanwhile, has proven herself among the stupider of the students. She's gone looking for Yuki, and she's found her, but only after Rito's minions find Yori first. Yuki shows up in time to intervene, of course, but she's just a half-step above useless. When she reaches for the Artemis Rod, she finds that it shocks and rejects her. It is a weapon meant to fight against vampires. Not that she's ever successfully used it that way. And now that she's a vampire herself, it's less than useless to her. Rather like Yuki herself is to the show overall. Far, far less than useless. I hate her, in case I haven't made that clear. Because while Yuki struggles to wrap her mind around the reality that the Artemis Rod is no longer her weapon, she stands immobilized and forces Ido to intervene on her attempted intervention to protect her and Yori. Then, dipshit Kaname shows up and scolds her for being outside in the first place. He rubs it in that she can't even hold the Artemis Rod anymore, and Yori picks it up to hand it back to her. And how much better would this shit have been if Yori had gotten to keep it? Forget about dumbass Yuki. Let me see Yori go full magical girl and kick some ass with this anti-vampire weapon. It's not like Yuki has done anything useful with it before now. We might as well let someone else give it a go. But no. Yori just straps it back onto Yuki's thigh, and then Kaname leads his submissive little sister lover back to captivity. As for the battle, there's more to worry about than just vampires. Hunters have shown up to collect Zero, and Yagari tells them that they will have to go through him. He ends up sending them away with a message for the Hunter Society president. Do your own dirty work. And then it's back to Zero for more whiny bullshit. And then it's back to Yuki for even more whiny bullshit. Ido makes her sleep, magically knocking her out without consent, but I honestly don't really give a fuck about that transgression at this point. Knock that bitch out and keep her out, please. I have fully had enough. Elsewhere, Shiki is unconscious in the aftermath of his possession, and Ichicho goes out to make amends for his part in Rito's return. Then, rather inexplicably, Yuki wakes from her slumber to find Shizuka in her bedroom. Or so she dreams. Shizuka goes on about how vampires go to hell no matter what they do with their lives, and I'm honestly not sure if this is supposed to be Shizuka actually talking to Yuki right now, or Yuki tapping into something that Shizuka said to someone else, possibly Ichiru, while she was alive. Again, though, I don't care. So from there, Kaname is back again to scold and shame and manipulate his sister, and I just want to combust into flames watching this. I want to tie this man to a stake and burn him. I want to watch Buffy dust his ass. I hate him more than I can possibly say. And so too do I hate all of Yuki's fucking whining in this episode. She's sobbing about how she simply must help as if she's ever done anything useful before now. So allow me to clarify. It does not matter that she can't use the Artemis Rod anymore, because she was goddamn useless before she grew out her hair and got a pair of fangs, and I honestly won't care at this point if Rito does just kill all of these people. So, then we're back to sulky-ass Zero for a confrontation with Kaname. My least favorite vampire has arrived to remind Zero and the audience about the whole hunters don't have twins thing, and hint heavily at the role it's going to play in the endgame. Since Ichiro is far more interesting than either Kaname or Zero, though, I'm not fond of the outcome of this plotline. But I suppose we'll get to that when we get to it. In the meantime, Kaname is trying to hype Zero up to kill Rito because apparently he can't do it himself. He claims that as long as Rito is alive, Rito is going to pursue Yuki to kill her, and, um, okay, I guess. 
Let him eat her, honestly. She sucks. Who cares? But now we're on to the next episode. Zero is struggling with his descent into a level E, and it's manifesting this time as his hand going crazy all on its own, which is... A writing choice? It's definitely a writing choice. Have we seen that happen to a single other turned vampire? Like, why is this happening? What is this? And why am I supposed to care? I just... I don't understand how anyone could possibly care about any of this at this point in the show. I really don't get it. I'm struggling so much with even getting through this recap right now. I can't comprehend how anyone can enjoy this romance or find these characters compelling, and even the somewhat interesting world-building isn't being well-served by the narrative, so what exactly is supposed to interest me about this story? I don't care about this villain who's just shown up with ambiguous evil goals and motivations, and I don't care about the protagonist that he's working against either, so where does that leave me? It leaves me adrift, I suppose. I'm untethered within the increasingly choppy seas of this narrative, and I'm desperate to spot land. But back to it, I suppose. Shiki has reawakened, and he has a somewhat sweet moment with Rima that would be better if these were more prominent characters. Like, I feel that this story has done a disservice to literally every fictional person involved, and though all of the side characters are more interesting than the main ones, that's far from enough to keep me invested in the show. Though I do appreciate the latest scene of the core night class students kicking Rito's minions' asses. Then, there's the Hunter Society president. His problematic ass is here to try getting his hands on Zero, and he and Cayenne fight for all of a split second before he fucks off into the ether. And then, there's Rito in the old building having some kind of an incredibly misogynistically drawn blood-drinking orgy, and I think it's safe to say at this point that I just hate this show. Kaname and Zero both so desperately want to be broody angel types, but they're just like painfully stupid fanfic Draco types instead, and they both make me want to stab my eyes out, and I genuinely wish I had never watched this season of the show. Like, season one was nothing phenomenal, it wasn't groundbreaking, but this shit, this is truly painful. It makes season one look like a masterpiece in comparison. I can't believe I put myself through 13 episodes of this mess in the vain hope that it might get better. What a waste of a week of my life. Back at Zero's prison, Ichiru shoots Zero. Yuki smells his blood from across the campus, but Konami swoops in to stop her from going to him because of course he does. As for Zero himself, don't worry, he's not dead. His barely above incestuous brother has given him a purposefully non-lethal wound because he is obsessed and suicidal, and so of course he wants his vampire brother to drink him dry, absorb his strength, and live on so that Ichiru himself doesn't have to. Again, Ichiru and the pure insanity of his character is far more interesting than almost anything else going on in the narrative. He is seriously disturbed, and he needs significant help, and I cannot believe that this story wasted all of its time focusing on a nothing little idiot like Yugi when characters like Ichiru are right there. Like, we find out here that Ichiru's plan all along has been to kill Rido for being behind everything that happened to Shizuka. And I just fully cannot fathom why this shit is treated like a side plot when it's so much more interesting than the main thrust of the story. I am in pull-my-hair-out territory here, you guys. I'm just so frustrated with this stupid show. So, Ichiru collapses from his wounds in the aftermath of his failed attempt to kill Rito, 
and he makes it clear to his brother that what he wants is for his brother to hold him close and drain him dry, because the only place he feels safe and happy is in his twin brother's arms, and if that is not twincest, then I don't know what is. Now, I will point out here that Ichiru claims there's a chance that if Zero drinks him, perhaps Zero can resist turning into a level E vampire, and I think that is really dumb, especially when the show seems to end with everyone taking this huge maybe as a given, so I'm just really pissed off at this point. Have you noticed? So, Zero drinks his brother as he dies, and it's clearly all that Ichiru has ever wanted, so I guess I'm happy for the crazy bastard, and um... Well, then Ichiru is dead, and Zero is overdramatic, all the way from his fangs to his shadow, and thank fuck the episode is over because that means we're getting really close to the end of the show. On to the penultimate episode. It opens on a flashback to, I suppose, the distant past? Kaname survives some kind of apocalypse, I guess? But then the flashback moves into being a teen Kaname and toddler Yuki look how much they loved each other back then flashback, and that shit is just sick. It's sick, it's vile, and it's fully disgusting, and I might actually vomit. That is a toddler, you are in all meaningful ways her brother, and this is fully nightmare territory. Get yourself away from that little girl. But in the present, Yuki is not much better off. Now that she's a vampire, she's apparently the weakest, most pathetic pureblood known to man. She's attacked by two of Rido's minions, and she tries to levitate some rocks to hit them with, I guess? And she can't even manage that much, and so I appreciate how the night class scolds her for being dumb and useless. Like, yes, get her. I am past the point of sympathy here. Drag her ass. Fully drag her. Unfortunately, though, they are not tasked with just dragging her. They're tasked with protecting her from Rito, who is still busy chomping on and dusting his minions left and right. And I don't know what the night class is even really supposed to do here. As the narrative keeps telling us, normal vampires can't do anything to defy purebloods, so if Rito makes it to Yuki, they're not going to be able to help her. They can't fight him. So why hasn't one of them just conked her on the head, thrown her over their shoulder, and booked it the fuck away from the academy? Oh, it's because they're all very dumb. That's why. At the school gates, Yugari is busy fighting off mostly feral vampires. Yuki and the night class show up to help, though of course Yuki herself is not any help. And then Kayen shows up to take over the battle by himself. It's very Hero's Last Stand, and if I were actually invested in this narrative, it would be a pretty big emotional moment. Alas, I'm not invested, and instead I'm bored. Elsewhere, we find the Hunter Society president speaking with Ichio. The president is fully falling apart, cracking like porcelain for uncertain reasons. It would appear that he has been drinking vampire blood to maintain his youth and beauty, and I just have no sympathy for this. This is queerphobic and femphobic and hateful to the core. This guy is a queer-coded false hero who betrays the actual heroes, such as they are, because he's tainted by his feminine vanity, and if you can't see the problem with that, then I just can't help you. I am too angry at the rest of this show to get into why this is so unforgivable, because if I try, I may just end up ranting until my heart literally gives out? And this is not worth that. Just go read some shit about the villainization of queer people and the villainization of femininity in general. That'll be more than enough education for you to figure this out by yourself. In the meantime, the verdict is that this shit is fucked, and I am not amused. Moving on. At the very top of the school, our friendly neighborhood vampires find Rito lounging amidst another blood orgy like an absolute fucking dork. Now, I get it. When I say blood orgy, you think, well, that sounds kind of metal. Maybe that sounds kind of fun. But you're wrong. It isn't. 
and it's not. This is dumb and boring, and it's in a way that specifically objectifies the unnamed female characters being victimized, and it's another of those moments where if I start trying to explain to you why this is so frustratingly awful, I will simply rant until I die. This is fundamentally sex-negative, tying hedonistic sexual imagery in with violence and murder and evil, and it sexually objectifies the female characters while reducing the male characters to even less than sex objects. The unnamed female characters are depicted as submissive sex objects, happy to be murdered in titillating fashion. The unnamed male characters are barely more than implicitly violent mannequins. It is definitely a choice. As for Kaname, the bastard finally manages to do something fun. He waltzes into Ichio's place, and before the guards even know what to do about it, he explodes them all into technicolor sparkles, and I am so very amused. Why hasn't he been doing this all along? Why didn't I know before now that he has explode you into glitter powers? That could have been the whole show. A lot less trying to fuck your baby sister, and a lot more exploding your enemies into sparkle dust. As for the battle against Rito, it's useless. I just told you. These vampires cannot fight against a pureblood, even if they want to. And Rito is busy trying to outcreep Kaname. He's calling his niece by her dead mother's name and grabbing her from behind and licking her neck and shit. And when he finally goes in to bite her, she seizes the Artemis rod and for some reason, something is now totally different. I'm mocking this because it's unearned and unbelievable. If Yuki had been built up as something stronger than a doormat, I could maybe buy this scene. But as she hasn't been, I don't. But like I said, for some reason, this time she powers through the Artemis Rod's rejection of her, and this transforms the rod into an enormous scythe with a rather disgusting design. She orders the turned vampires away from her friends, and Rito praises Yuki for having more gumption than her mother, and if that bitch was really even more of a pushover than this one is, I'm glad her ass is dead. Sorry, not sorry. And it's not exactly hard at this point for Rito to get the better of Yuki once again anyway. He ties her up and holds her immobile with his weird vampire powers, and then Zero shows up to shoot him from behind. But before we can resolve that shit, we have to deal with Ichio and Kaname's confrontation. Ichio explains his motivations, as if I fucking care, and perhaps I should be worried that Kaname and I seem to agree on this. Neither one of us wants to listen to Ichio's nonsense, and Ichio flees. Before Konami can pursue him, though, in walks Ichijo. He's arrived to stop his uncle once and for all in an act of penance for the betrayal he committed against Konami, and Konami agrees to let Ichijo be the one to take out Ichio. We do not get to see the result of this confrontation, unfortunately, but I have decided that Ichijo both killed his uncle and survived the fight. Do not correct me if I'm wrong, because I do not care. I have decided that Ichijo was not caught in the collapse of the building, and that he gets to live a happy life free of the rest of these idiots, and I refuse to hear anything else. As for Zero, he is falling apart still. His body is going fully out of control because, like, He's got too much power in his human form or some shit. It's really gross to look at, considering it seems like one of his arms is trying to tear itself away from his body of its own accord, and he begs for Yuki to slice him with the Artemis Rod because somehow he knows that the rod won't kill him, but will help somehow. And though I can't pretend to care about it or even really to understand it, to be perfectly honest, it works. Magically. His arm stops flipping out, he picks up the bloody rose gun, and he faces off against Rito. All the random vampires get dusted, but Rito himself vanishes. He flees into the forest and drains even more of his underlings to try to heal himself, and he faces off against Kaname and Zero. The fight isn't terribly animated, 
but it is terribly brief. It's the final episode, the very beginning of it, and he's dead by the four-minute mark. And one and a half of those minutes was the opening credits. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite as anticlimactic as this final battle was, if I'm being honest. I could hardly believe my eyes when the guy got killed almost as soon as I had started the finale. Again, I wasted a week of my life on this. I could have watched anything, and I chose to waste my time on Vampire Night. Yuki didn't even do anything in the final battle. As for Kaname and Zero, they are left alone in the woods, and it's Yuki's sudden arrival that stops Zero from pulling the trigger on Kaname. Being the asshole that he is, Kaname tells Yuki definitively that it's time to go because he talks to this poor little girl the way I talk to my goddamn dog. And then we're on to the night class. They have apparently been more or less dismissed by Kaname in the aftermath of the battle. He calls them pawns and tells them that he doesn't need them anymore. And I'm pretty sure that Ido Loki snaps here. As in, the last threads of his sanity just got snipped into. He starts cackling like it's the funniest joke he's ever heard, and he insists that because Kaname didn't, quote, use them until they were dead, that means he, quote, really saw them. Sure, baby. You keep telling yourself that. As for Kayan, he and Yugari are mutually surprised to see that the other survived the events of the night. And then it's time for Zero and Yuki to have their final moments together. It's not a breakup because they were never together, but it's still painful. Not for Yuki, oddly, but for me. I don't like Zero, I genuinely don't, but if having him get together with Yuki was the only way to keep her from getting together with Kaname, then he should have fought fucking harder to win her ass over, because letting her go with Kaname is letting her go with a monster. But then again, maybe I'm giving Zero too much credit. I'm blinded by my hatred of Kaname, perhaps, because as much as I want Zero to be the better option, he's not better, is he? His very last words to Yuki, his foster sister, the girl he has loved in various ways for the past four years of his life, are to tell her that he, quote, should hate her for being a vampire, and that he will kill her someday. Allow me to repeat. One of her love interests is her big brother, who groomed her for her entire life, deliberately put her into lethal danger with no ability to defend herself, and tries to control her every move like any good abuser does. And the other love interest is her foster brother, who is a self-hating anti-vampire sci-fi racist who promises to murder her if he ever sees her again. She absolutely should have dated fucking Yori. As for the rest of the episode, the less said the better. Ruka, Kane, Ido, Seiren, and Yuki run away with Kaname to start a new life together, and I am choosing to manifest my optimism by imagining that as soon as they were off-screen, lightning struck both Karan siblings and freed the rest of the vampires from their inexplicable thrall. Fly, my friends. There's a whole world out there. You do not need to orbit this sister-molesting monster. It is, truly, the worst possible ending that I could have imagined, and I'm honestly kind of devastated. I cannot believe anyone in their right mind wrote this shit and then marketed it to teenagers. And I'm horrified by the fact that so many of the people I knew 15 years ago online actually thought that this shit was romantic and sweet. This shit made me want to die. So, Vampire Night is done. I'm done with Vampire Night. I never have to think about this show ever again. I never intend to think about this show ever again. I will be better off for it. Yes, I will. And, um, watch it at your own peril. 
After this, I am going to be watching Castlevania. I know, I know, perhaps it's a terrible idea to move from this atrocious vampire property to another vampire property, which could be atrocious or could not. I genuinely don't know. We shall see. But I'm going to give it a try. I've heard good things. I think it's supposed to be a good show. But then again, I heard good things about this. Anything could happen. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about that show and very prepared for the reality that I may be disappointed again. But I don't know what I'm going to be watching after Castlevania. So if you have suggestions or you want to vote on my poll determining what it is that I'm going to be watching afterwards, you are going to be interested in checking out my $1 Patreon tier. $1 patrons get access to my polls, determining what it is that I watch or cover for the podcast, and $5 and up patrons get access to my reaction videos to everything that I'm covering for the podcast, plus other things. Um, Those are released for $5 patrons on a weekly schedule, but they are released for $10 patrons on an as-soon-as-it's-filmed schedule. So if you're interested in any of that, feel free to check it out. If you are not, that is perfectly all right. You may also be interested in leaving a rating or a review for this show on your podcatcher of choice, talking about it on social media, recommending it to a friend. Apparently, word of mouth is very big for podcasting. Alternately, if you are interested in reading this show instead of listening to it, I am making all of the scripts available over on Archive of Our Own, so that may be of interest to you. If not, I hope you will join me again next time anyway for my coverage of Castlevania, and I hope that I am going to enjoy that show much more than I enjoyed this one. I don't enjoy not enjoying things. I genuinely want things to be good. I have fun clowning on things sometimes. I have fun putting all of my thoughts together so that I can complain about something in a reasonable fashion, but I don't enjoy not enjoying things. I just want to watch something good. So, I'm going to be back next week with my first episode of Castlevania coverage, and I hope you will join me then. And as always, thank you so much for listening.